Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. That's right. And we are without Tom Dorian today. He's not with us. Uh, he's out and about. Yes, it's unfortunate that we weren't able to join him on that dude ranch adventure. Yeah, you know what? We encourage everyone here at the Catholic Cafe to venture out, do new things, and so he's doing a dude ranch this uh, this time while we're recording. So we're you know hats off, cowboy hats or whatever to uh, to Tom Dorian and. And interestingly, it's a different kind of a dude ranch. It's, they also do belly dancing. So it's a belly dancing that. dude ranch. So that's kind of a neat thing. And I'm sure he'll show us some new moves or something when he gets back. Oh, yeah. He'll work that lasso real well. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that that we got that going on. But also, I don't know if you've noticed, Sam, but we have uh, croissant. The croissant have been served, which are, you know, these wonderful French rolls. Uh, that we have uh, served here at the Catholic Cafe. And the reason why is because we're going to talk about some French stuff today. Oh, yeah. We're talking about a French guy, especially a uh, French priest from the uh, 16 and 1700s, which was an interesting time in the church. It was a very interesting time in the church, the Counter-Reformation. That's right. So we just had the Reformation, right? Mm -hmm. Martin Luther and... uh, at Al, you know, got together in the 1500s and started uh, a process that essentially became one of the uh, most profound uh, schismatic events ever uh, to tear the church asunder, really just to literally splinter the church in many forms and fashions. And what the church did was raise up many great saints during that Counter-Reformation. So the 150 years, you know, after the Reformation, so the the the, the Council of Trent, mm-hmm. you know, and all the saints that led to that council and then followed that council were really at work reforming the church. Yes. And one of the great things about this particular saint we're going to talk about, say his name so I can correct you. St. Louis de Montfort. <laughs> yeah, okay, so de Montfort. De yeah, Montfort, yeah. yeah. We'll just say oui, St. Oui. Yeah, Louis de Montfort. Many people know it that way, and that's what we're going to say here. And we're just down-to-earth people here at the Catholic Cafe. And we're going to talk about him because he had a uh, a really neat Marian spirituality. So when you're talking about sort of reforming the church, the Counter-Reformation, so what the church really needed to do to get back to basics, to get back to where uh, some people within the church had sort of like gotten off the rails just a little bit. And the church needed some work, honestly. We, there were some problems. Martin Luther had some genuine concerns. Um, and so St. Louis de Montfort was one of these uh, saints with a very beautiful Marian devotion that has led to some really neat things that are still active in the church. Oh, yes. So what we want to talk about, uh, many people have heard about, you know, a 33-day consecration. Yes. So, in fact, you've recently heard a lot about it because you're doing it like right now. I am doing it right now. Today is uh, the feast of the presentation of our Lord Jesus in the temple, and I'm that is the uh, a feast day upon which I've chosen to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary. So, well, let's stop there for a second because that's kind of neat. Sure. A lot of people don't stop and think about things like that like you've done there, but that feast particularly is kind of neat. That's the day that you're going to do your 
your consecration. That's true. There's there's beautiful consecration imagery in the feast itself because Mary is presenting Jesus to the Lord, right. so to speak, to God the Father. To, well, to consecrate him. To consecrate to him. To the Father. To the Father, yes. Yeah, and so how often have we... Because we think about consecration, and we don't always think about ourselves being consecrated. Because, I mean, essentially what that word in our lingo in the church is, you know, to be consecrated is to be, to be set apart. So yes. um, sometimes we'll think of like, well, a rosary's been blessed, and therefore it is consecrated. The, the, uh, you know, the consecration of the sacred vessels, they're dedicated to the service of the liturgy and the church. And, and we see it in that perspective a lot, but we also consecrate ourselves. Absolutely. And it's interesting because the phrase holy means also means to set aside. Right. So you could also say by in saying that to consecrate is to set aside. It's also to be made holy. If we have a, un, a universal call to holiness, we're all called to be set aside, to be consecrated to God. And so this consecration that you're doing, which is, I mean, essentially at the feast of the presentation of the Lord in the temple, um, what a what a profoundly uh, important and great opportune uh, feast to celebrate that. Yes, and and you know, full disclosure, this is a renewal of my consecration to Jesus through Mary, and it's one of many renewals. This is actually my primary devotion. Um, when I, in October 2011, that was when I kind of made my re- return to the church. Uh, that was really. The return of the church that really finally mm. stuck, yeah, uh, where I kept with it uh, for years and years and continued to. And Marian devotion, specifically this devotion of the 33 days, had a lot to do with it. Um, it was November 5th of that year in 2011 that I decided to begin my first 33-day process, and I realized that I was so far beyond living my life. Uh, in a way that uh, you're called to live mm. if you're consecrated to Jesus through Mary, that what was put on my heart is to do a novena of 33-day consecrations, which actually took a year and a half. So I took every... Wait, 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 wait. A yeah. novena of... Th- so it's like nine times 33? Yes. All right, for those... Uh, I, I, I'm not a math wizard, but it's a lot. It's a lot, yes. Wow. And, and I did that. It took a year and a half where every t- single time there was going to be a consecration cycle, I took it. And which was tough because some of them were back to back, but um, it was a very transformative period in my life. And ever since then, I've I've continued with it. Where I I, I do a consecration, a thirty to three day consecration, at least twice a year, if not three times a year, and often try to bring others along with me uh, when I do it. Okay, so the first thing I want to ask you about that, yes, about this process, is you have just now said several times in a row that you've done this multiple times, and so someone might wonder like. Wait, um, it's like I've already been baptized. I don't need to be baptized again. I've had my first Holy Communion. I remember my little white, uh, you know, tie and you know my little coat and and or I remember my dress, depending on who's listening right now, you know. And and I remember that moment. I got a picture of it. You know, I, I did that once. I'm not repeating that certainly. Sure. Uh, and you start to realize uh, the things that we do when we think we're done. What is it? I mean, do you have to get reconsecrated? It's interesting to that concept. You know, do you feel like sometimes? We get there, or we don't completely get there, or we get there and we recede, or we need to be reminded. What 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 is this for you in terms of going again and again and again? Well, Saint Louis de Montfort recommends doing it at least once a year, renewal at least once a year. And for me, I think of it as you know, every year at, at Easter, 
we renew our baptismal vows. Yeah. But do we really walk out of there saying, okay, now I'm living them perfectly? Like, no. I mean, our daily struggle is learning how to live our baptismal vows. Uh, and in the well, same our regard. Whole faith, our whole faith is redos. Yes. I mean, you know, we go to confession to get a do-over. Yes. I mean, you know. Jesus gave us a mulligan <laughs> right. in the form of and, reconciliation. And you don't have one, you don't receive communion one time. Right. Right. And and so for me, uh, absolutely, every single time I've done the consecration. So think about it this way. When you are consecrating yourself to Jesus through Mary, and we have some separated brothers, I'm sure, in our audience listening who might consider that to be a shocking concept you right. know, in one way or another, right? And uh, It's not about Mary. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus but through in, Mary. But in shorthand, we would say, but Mary points us to Jesus, so if we go to Mary, we're going to get to Jesus. Yes, and, and it's also a notion of uh, Mary is in a better position to exercise good stewardship over what we what is entrusted to our stewardship than we are. Yeah, she's because, a good mom. Because what we're doing is we're giving her spiritual authority over every aspect of our life all of our material goods all of our gifts spiritual and spiritual um, all of our time our treasure our prayers that we offer we're giving her authority over those where she can change the the uh, prayers and polish them up and make them better uh, and right. you always do what your Lord. mom you do what your mom says and, yes. she, and she makes it look really good and beautiful right and so there's on one hand she there's stuff that she's able to do just by us giving her that authority, but there's a whole world of stuff that really requires our active cooperation, and so it's something that we have to grow into. We have to cooperate with the uh, graces of this devotion and really surrender ourselves to where we are in. Like, what I think about it this way, Deacon Jeff, when I pray, what I try to do is. I try to entrust whatever I'm praying for into Mary's hands, but then I lift up the intentions of her immaculate heart. She she gets to decide whether or not she wants to put in her heart that which I've entrusted to her hands. And by entrusting into her hands, she also can set them aside and say, no, Sam, that's not what you need. Right. And so that's where that word trust comes from. Yes. Right. That word comes into play anyway, because you've got to trust that as a mother, as your mother, she only wants the best for you. Yes. So if I say to my mom... Hey, mom, can I stay up late tonight? Yes. You know, and watch Johnny Carson or whatever, you know. Uh, shows my age, by the way. Um, you know, she might say, not tonight because you got school tomorrow morning. Right. You know, or she, you know, might say, you know what? You've earned this. Yes. And, and, that, and that's a good, you know, and the thing is like, you got to listen to her. And a big part of the 33-day consecration is growing not just in a trust of our Blessed Mother as Mother, but also in tenderness and mm. receiving her, receiving the, her tender look and her tender touch on our Well, lives. see, that's, again, that's, that's motherhood. Yes. Right? And there's a, there's a value. This is why, um, you know, God would ordain that there be a mother and a father. There'd be these qualities. And certainly the, the tenderness and the, the nurturing, the fondling, the holding, the, the cuddling, you know, usually comes in the mom department. Not always, but usually. And it doesn't mean dads can't have some experience, but the, but the great charisms and gifts of the mother, you know, come into play here. And so seeing, experiencing that in this process is probably something very beautiful. Yes. And just as Jesus entrusted himself to her care as mother, we entrust ourselves to her care. And it's so that she may form Christ within us. Mary's not the end. Mary is the means by which we achieve the end of growing in the image and likeness of Christ and taking full ownership of being 
created in God's image. Again, the Catholic teaching, you know, Mary essentially is the conduit through which salvation comes into the world. Yes. Beautiful on so many different fronts. So we have more to talk to Sam about, about this little uh, 33-day journey that he has taken and continues to take and will probably take again. Uh, (laughs) And we're going to take a break, but before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, they want to get us on social media. Oh, yes. Please uh, like us on Facebook, like our posts, and also on Instagram and Twitter. And please share our posts and comment. Um, that would make a real big difference to us. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. Yes. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. Saint Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up His voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bestrozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. 
And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Yes. And we are without Tom. But, but but he just reached out to us. Yes, he did. He sent us a, just a really great picture. Uh, I, hold, t- hey, hold it up to the microphone. Oh, absolutely. So people can see the picture. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully hopefully you guys can see this here. His uh, I don't know what looks better, his 10-gallon hat or that veil across his face. I'm going to recommend he keep the veil because it's going to help us in the, in the process of recording. So I'm not look. Never mind. That's mean. <laughs> we love Tom. We can't wait for him to get back. We miss his hair. That's right. We miss his hair. It's like a necessary part of this program is not here because Tom's hair is not. But we are talking about a an, an very important topic, and that is this this consecration. Now, this is a, like a 33-day process, but yes. I guess we should mention that a lot of times in the church, when you see the number 33, typically it's somehow associated to like the the number of years that Jesus spent on earth. And that is exactly why it's 33 days, is one day of preparation for every year that Christ walked this earth. Right. And so, um, you know, if you if you if you want to know a good, you know, priest or seminarian, you know, count the buttons on their cassock if it's 33 buttons, they're the real deal. Oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But to some people actually seek out the 33 button Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so interesting. So that being said, 33 days. So it's, it is a process. Uh, help me understand. Let's, let's, uh, first of all, a lot of people at home are going like, well, I'm kind of interested in this. I don't know if I can commit 33 days. It's like, well, let's, let's not commit to anything yet. Where do they find more information? Can they, can, are, are there books? Did uh, uh, St. Louis de Montfort write a book? He did. He wrote a book called True Devotion to Mary. Yeah. I consider that book uh, one of the most formative books ever in my life and I would recommend reading it in an adoration chapel oh. there's something about reading it in the presence of our Lord that just it, it takes on new life and meaning I know again that connection between reading about Mary yes you know in the presence of Jesus is actually kind of a profound thing and then again our mother led you to that's her true. son that's true and so I would definitely recommend reading that book but i would say take your time with it and use it and read it meditatively and reflectively and uh in addition uh there are plenty of other manuals that are out there i use the one uh by father Hugh gillespie right so i got father uh, gillespie's book here and it's called preparation for total consecration to jesus christ through mary according to saint louis de montfort which is a very long title. Yes. And you, I just, I'm, I'm lost now already. You know, it just seems complicated, but it really isn't so complicated. The concept here we're kind of, we're doing, but but as you go through this particular book, it kind of walks you through kind of day-by-day spiritual exercises or prayers. How does it work on a day-to-day basis? So it's broken up into parts. The first 12 days um, are the uh, renouncing the spirit of the world. Where you're taking so that takes twelve days, yeah, at, at least. But it takes some of us. It might take longer. Like me, I might have a little problem. Well, keep in mind, I keep doing is there like it. A, is there like a forty-three day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the first twelve days, you're focusing on uh, taking stock of taking real inventory of where the spirit of life. I'm sorry, where the spirit of the world has really. Uh, taken over your life in one mm. way or another. We might not recognize it, right? And finding where it is and prayerfully working to uproot it and cast it out. And so that's the first 12 days. Then it moves to knowledge of self. Because once you've rejected the spirit of the world and you made the choice to give your life to God and make that turn towards the Lord, then you have to also 
once you've turned to the Lord, you look at yourself in light of the Lord. And it's only by growing in that self-knowledge that you can really grow in this devotion because you're growing both in knowledge of your strengths, but also in knowledge of your weaknesses. Um, and so that's the, you have seven days devoted to that. And then once you have grown in that self-knowledge, then it's uh, knowledge of the Blessed Virgin for a week. And then it's seven more days knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm. And after that 33rd day, which is the seventh day of knowledge of Jesus Christ, you have your consecration day. And, and in, the, in, in the intervening periods, each day there's a set of prayers and a set of readings that you do. Um, and with this particular manual, you, you carry on a fast uh, during the course of the thir- 33 days. And so there's different approaches to it, but the, the prayers and the, and the readings are pretty consistent across all manuals. So a couple of things strike me based on what you just said. First of all, I have to ask a question. Do you get like a little diploma at the end of this? How does it work? What, what, do, you, what do you feel like? And I'm joking, obviously, but right. unless you made yourself one, I guess. But, but what, what, what feels different on day number 34? So once you've really done it, I would say I, I've had lots of very experiences uh, of it, but I feel completely known and loved by our Blessed Mother and just enveloped in love and called to live in accordance with that love, uh, the, which is ultimately the love of God that is being communicated to me through her maternity. And... Um, you know, and I've done it so many times. I would say each consecration day is unique in itself. One day stuck out where I was just having a really, really bad day. And this was at a time when I was really struggling with scrupulosity of, uh, oh, I'm just beating myself up and I'm never enough. And that was just a, a, a period in my life that was a nonstop concern for me. And that was happening on one of my consecration days. And I just thought, man, I've been wasting these 33 days. I this is this is uh, I'm not consecratable so to speak yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm just not good enough and I went to uh, mass and I remembered just feeling in my heart and just knowing it was Mama saying this to me on my consecration day her saying you're good enough because you're mine yeah beautiful and so I, I imagine it comes to you as and where you need it. In the degree where you are in your spiritual journey. Yes. So like, you know, people who are very, we'll call them advanced in their spiritual journey, you know, who are literally on top of the spiritual mountain, you know, chanting hymns in Latin, you know, that person receives gifts. Yes. From this experience. And the person that comes like brand new and says, I've never tried something like this. I don't really know what I think about my faith or about mass or about Mary or any of these things, and I'm going to do this thing. You know, whatever, wherever you are, I guess you're, you're ministered to at that level. And radically so. And in fact, I feel led, there's a, uh, one of the readings in this consecration manual, which is a reading from True Devotion to Mary uh, by St. Louis de Montfort, really speaks volumes, I think, about the value of the practice and why what you're saying is absolutely true, that wherever you are, it can change your life. And uh, so if you'll permit me, I'd like to share this with the audience. He said, I think I can very well compare some spiritual directors and devout persons to sculptors who wish to produce Jesus in themselves and in others by their own methods. Many of them rely on their own skill, ingenuity, and art, 
and chip away endlessly with mallet and chisel at hard stone or badly prepared wood in an effort to produce a likeness of our Lord. At times, they do not manage to produce a recognizable likeness, either because they lack knowledge and experience of the person of Jesus Christ, or because a clumsy stroke has spoiled the whole work. But those who accept this little-known secret of grace which I offer them can rightly be compared to smelters or molders who have discovered the beautiful mold of Mary where Jesus was so divinely and so naturally formed. They do not rely on their own skill, but on the perfection of the mold. They cast and lose themselves in Mary where they become true models of her son. You may, th- you may think this is a beautiful and, com- and convincing comparison, but how many understand it? I would like you, my dear friend, to understand it. But remember that only molten and liquefied substances may be poured into a mold. That means you must crush and melt down the old Adam in you if you wish to acquire the likeness of the new Adam in Mary. Wow. Okay, so that is... There's a reason why this guy's a saint, but <laughs> that that is so beautiful, and, and so many things that we could talk about. I just, but I'm stricken by this image of of us being molten, yes, and the idea that we've got to essentially liquefy to be poured into something, which means we have to break down all the hard edges, the things that we've built up over time, that the the obstacles essentially to grace, yes, that we continue to pour ourselves. You know, uh, not poor, but we allow to pour over us. Yes. Right? That actually are cast around the exterior of us when, in fact, it's supposed to be us just just dying to ourselves and being poured into Mary. Yes. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to be poured into Mary. Right. Because that's where Jesus, you know, that's the conduit, right? That's where he was formed in his humanity. Yes. Right? And, and the, the divinity that flowed through her into the world uh, to be united, humanity and divinity, how beautiful that is. And if we, if we want to even approach that, we've got to be liquefied. We, we, we've got to just break down all the, the hard edges. We all can afford to be crushed down and melted for our Blessed Mother. And uh, just like every cross is followed by a resurrection, this process of being crushed down and, and, melt, and melted down and poured into this mold helps us grow in our capacity to uh, be an image of Jesus Christ in the world. Well, I, I, Sam, thanks so much for sharing with us all, the, all this really cool stuff, and I hope that you've opened a couple of eyes. Uh, you've opened mind. It's, it's just it's neat to know what, what's possible here, and I, I feel confident and sure that if you keep doing this, maybe 20, 30 years from now, you're going to really get it. Well, thank you. <laughs> what I a beautiful so. journey that you're sharing with us, and thank you so much. And you know what? Um, there's no better way to end this program than then ask for Mama's intercession. Oh, yes. She cares Agreed. so much about us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now and at the, the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.